everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of Added Time, a Games and Grouts studio podcast with me, your host, Steve Watkins. It's been a couple of weeks since I've done an episode. It's just been a mad time, and there's been so much football, it's been hard to keep up with a lot of it. And it's made me realise that I need to do this podcast on a weekly basis. I can't be doing it every couple of weeks. But last week, I was just, I was knackered, and I, and I couldn't do it. But so, so much has happened in the last couple of weeks. We've had a couple of couple of Premier League, a couple of rounds of Premier League games. We've had the FA Cup, the League Cup quarterfinal games. Players retiring, you know, managers under pressure in, in different parts of, of the league as well. Let's get uh, straight into it. And unfortunately, we're going to start off on a bit of a, a somber note. So... Within a few hours of me recording the last podcast, it was announced that the legendary Brazilian striker Pele had lost his battle with cancer and unfortunately passed away aged 82. I'm not going to sit here and eulogise about Pele. You know, if you are a fan of football of any age, you should know who Pele is. He was the first football superstar and... You know, he was a trailblazer for a lot of different reasons. Uh, I know a lot of people these days, you know, we're, we're very stat-driven and, you know, we're very critical of, of our footballers and, and, you know, sportsmen and women in general. And people will point to the fact that he only ever played in Brazil and then went to America and, you know, never did it in Europe and all that sort of stuff. But... You know, he, he transcended the sport and he was one of the most famous players ever. Some say the best to ever do it. Three World Cups and up until uh, the World Cup just gone was Brazil's record goal scorer. That's now uh, he's, he's, he's Neymar leveled with him during the 2022 World Cup. So very sad uh, to see to see that happen. Uh, and another one, another player that we unfortunately lost over the last couple of weeks. Uh, someone obviously more of my generation, a player I remember watching, uh, growing up and watching, was Gianluca Vialli, the ex-Chelsea uh, uh, and Italy striker, who, again, cancer, sadly, age of 58. Um, a fantastic striker, part of a very famous Juventus squad uh, that won that won the Champions League. And great player and you know you hear all the stories that he was just in general a great guy and there's been an outpouring of emotion for him some wonderful stories about what he was like as a man as a player uh, he was also the Chelsea manager as well so yeah these things it's very sad and he was the assistant manager to Roberto Mancini at the Euros when Italy unfortunately beat England but he was part of that coaching team so uh, again very very sad uh, 58 is is no age really so and the West Ham chairman or co-chairman David Gold passed away after a short illness as well and again someone else that you know I know West Ham fans have been critical of him and Sullivan over the years especially with the move away from Upton Park but Again, the, the stories that you hear is that just uh, although very successful businessman, you know, multi-millionaire, he was just a very humble and very down-to-earth guy and would help anyone. So 
you know, footballers and owners and managers get a bad rap sometimes and they're labelled a lot of things that they aren't. At the end of the day, they're human beings. So, very sad. And, you know, thoughts go out to everyone uh, with regards to those three people. Right. What else has been going on? So, Hugo Lloris has announced his international retirement uh, from uh, playing for France. I mean, France have got plenty of, of really good goalkeepers. So, um you know, it's not a position that they're going to struggle to, to fill, but Hugo Lloris has, has given that up. Uh, not 100% sure how many caps he had. Uh, it was quite a few. He was obviously, he was part of the, the World Cup winning squad. He was in the uh, the World Cup, win- yeah, in, in, when was that? 2018, of course. Uh, he played in the 2022 final as well, as we know, and he was in that 2016 final. So, um Obviously, he's not won anything with Tottenham, but we know that. We know that. Um, so, yeah, 145 caps for France. An absolute mainstay since 2008. Um, 36 years old, so, yeah, he's, he's called time on his international career. And another player that has not only called time on his international career, but has called time on his career in general is Gareth Bale. He has announced his retirement from both international and club football at the age of 33, he turns 34 in the summer. I think a lot of people expected him to announce his retirement from international football. He looked a shell of the player that we know that Gareth Bale is in that World Cup. He looked like his body just couldn't do the things that he wanted it wanted to do anymore and Look, one of at one point one of one of the best players in the world at one point. Absolutely I've got no doubt about that at all. Unplayable. You know, he was absolutely magic at Spurs. Started his career of, of course at Southampton. He was there for a year before before Tottenham picked him up where they signed him as a left back and he moved into the left wing position and you know, we remember the hat trick against Inter Milan and he tore Mike on an absolute new one. And it, uh, genuinely at that stage, a global star. And then he, at the time, broke the transfer record to go to Real Madrid where, you know, uh, he was very underappreciated. He won five Champions Leagues. Five Champions Leagues. It's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> I mean, for, for, the, for the Real Madrid fans to not take to him was very strange um you know uh, whether whether it was because he took a bit of the limelight away from from Ronaldo I don't really know uh, I, I think I think Ronaldo was was put out a little bit when when Bale joined because he was uh he he, he broke Ronaldo's transfer record uh, effectively so it's uh, it's a strange one, but yeah, three three La Ligas and and five Champions Leagues, uh, and and he he played pivotal roles in those Champions League wins. Obviously, we you know we remember the overhead kick in one of the finals. Uh, he scored. Uh, it didn't. He he scored one of the goals against Atletico Madrid on their way to winning one of the uh, one of the finals as well. So, you know, although he 
was largely booed by the Real Madrid fans, which is just mental. Um, you know, it, he he probably should go down as a Real Madrid legend. He won't, just because of the way that they are. But Real Madrid fans are a bit, they're a bit like that. They are, they are a bit, they're a bit like that. So, um, I mean, he came back to Tottenham twenty in the twenty twenty one season. He played twenty games uh, and scored scored eleven goals. Um, in the in the Premier League anyway um, not a bad return really uh, and then he went over to MLS Los Angeles FC only played only played 13 games but scored the goal in the final to win uh, whatever whatever trophy it is that they won um, so yeah I think it's the the MLS Cup he won the MLS Cup there we go um yeah, Tottenham Young Player of the Year, PFA Young Player of the Year. Yeah, just a, just a, a supremely talented footballer. A lot of debate as to whether he's the best British player ever. Again, you will always get this generational thing where for me, you know, I can't I can't someone of my age, 37, I can't I can't really comment on how good George Best was. You have to go with, you know, I rely on my granddad telling me and, and my mates my mates' dads and, and people that older people that I work with who say George Best was the greatest ever and then you know, some people say Kenny Dalgleish and you know, your older 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 fans will say someone like John Charles, but you know, for me in my sort of what I would call my generation of players that I've watched play and then they've since retired that you know players that are a similar age to me I think Bale is definitely up there in uh, along with Rooney as probably one of the best the best British players uh, and a lot of people have said this week that Gareth Bale is definitely Wales's best ever player um, 111 caps I think he's the most capped I think he's got the goal record as well of 41 dragged them through dragged Wales through a number of qualifications and through that 2016 euros where they got to the semi-final he, he was he was the linchpin in all of that so look I'm sure he's going to have plenty of he's gonna have plenty of time now to get his golf handicap down um there's a there's a job going at, uh, at Leicester City actually at their training ground for someone to be the manager of the golf course that is uh, on the back of the training ground. So who knows? You know he could be training with Leicester in sometime soon. A <sighs> probably uh, probably get a game at the minute as well. But I'll come on to that. I'll come on to them in a bit. So what else has been happening in the world of football? Well. Managers left, right and centre are under pressure. Frank Lampard is under pressure, but he has had the backing of the board today. Uh, now, Everton picked up a picked up a good result uh, against Man City over this last couple of weeks at the Etihad. And then got battered by Brighton. And they're one of those teams that along with my my own team where the fans are just adamant that they're going to get relegated you know we are the worst in the league there's not three teams worse that there's three there's not three teams worse than us we're one of the three um 
Look, Everton have been mismanaged and poor recruitment for a number of years and they've gone through a fair few managers as well over the years. And I think the the main issue from what I can see with Everton is that um, the problem isn't so much with Lampard. I think the fans actually don't mind Lampard. Obviously, he kept them up last season, so he's got a little bit of credit in the bank. Their problem is with the board. Uh, and look, I'm not an Everton fan. I can't really comment on it too much. I don't know the ins and outs. You know, there's always stuff that is going on. Other clubs that you're not aware of because you don't pay too much attention to it. But yeah, they got that draw at, at, at Man City. But, you know, prior to that, they they lost 2-1 to Wolves in the last minute on Boxing Day. They were beaten comfortably 3-0 by Bournemouth. You know, Leicester beat them as well at the beginning of November uh, at, at Goodison as well. So yeah, Everton fans are upset and I, and I completely get why they would be. Um, now, you know, David Moyes, another manager under pressure. You know, you look, I look at the last five. It's amazing, really, that both West Ham and Everton have lost to Leicester. I mean, I guess that's where you have to look at it and think, well, if you can't beat Leicester, you you might be struggling a bit because we're terrible. Um, another team that... Uh, and, and there's some massive games coming up, which I'll, I'll talk about later. Uh, but again, West Ham and David Moyes under pressure. Um, but again, bit of credit in the bank because of what he has done over the last couple of seasons. But a manager that is already looking like he's under pressure is Graham Potter. Now, the Chelsea currently sit 10th in the Premier League. So they're far worse off than where they were when Tuchel was sacked. Um, their most recent results, uh, uh, in the Premier League at least anyway, um, you know, they they lost to the Villa on uh, the 11th of December. Um, they did win over Christmas in terms of on like Boxing Day, or well, 27th they played. They beat Bournemouth, but they drew away at Forest. They've lost to Man City uh, twice as well. So um, it's yeah, it, it's not it's not going great. I mean, that's not all. They're not all uh, league results. Uh, some of them are cup results as well. So they're out of the third round, uh, the third round stage of the FA Cup as well. Again, beaten by Man City. But I think it's this it's this thing with Chelsea is the it's the transfer policy. They've brought in all of these, all of these players, um, and like, where do they fit? And some of them haven't worked. I mean, look, let's face it. Abamyang was bought because Tuchel knows him, and then within a couple of days of Abamyang coming in, Tuchel gets the sack. Abamyang doesn't look like he wants to be there at all. And there's even talk of him going back to Barcelona, which is, I mean, between Chelsea and Barcelona, I mean, what the. Just, just two insane football clubs. Just mental. Um, Chelsea need a striker. They need that. You know, Lukaku. It didn't work. You know, Havertz. 
he's not a number nine. You know, Sterling, it hasn't quite worked and now he's injured. You know, Fafana, big, big money. You know, Leicester held him to ransom a little bit. Big, big money. It's not worked. He's injured. And they're signing, they're, they're signing these players and I'll be honest, I've, I've not really heard of a lot of them. You know, there was talk of them buying Anthony Gordon in the summer for 60 million. Now, unless I'm very much mistaken, I I don't recall I, d- I don't recall them uh making or oh, sorry, I, d- I don't I don't recall um Anthony Gordon doing much really this season so far. Granted, he is in a he is in a struggling team. So, I look at Chelsea's summer transfers. Sterling not worked. Koulibaly doesn't look great. Um, Hutchinson young one for the future. Um, I cannot pronounce the guy's name. I apologise. The young guy from Aston Villa again is a youngster. Kukurea looks terrible. Fafana injured. Uh, Abamyang doesn't want to be there by the looks of it. Zakaria, you know. Um, and then they've brought more players in. You know, they've they've brought in David Fafana from Molde. They've brought uh, Badi Ashil from Monaco. And then they've brought in João Felix from Atletico Madrid. Now, I believe I'm right in saying he cannot play in the Champions League and they're paying something like six million for him to be loaned until the end of the season. He's in the squad for tonight. I mean, as I'm recording, Chelsea are about to kick off against Fulham and it feels like a massive game because Fulham are doing so well. Uh, it's a rivalry. It's a, it's a local derby. So this is a big, big game for, for Potter. The Chelsea fans were, were singing... I mean, Fulham are above Chelsea by three points. Chelsea win tonight. They climb quite a bit up the table. They can go They can go up to seventh um, with, a, with a comfortable win against Fulham. So it puts them back in that hunt and maybe people... Because there has been pressure on Potter already. And, and look, you know, a couple of months ago when he got the job, people were saying, brilliant, great, uh, great appointment, Young English manager managing one of the biggest biggest teams in Europe. You know, good luck to him. He's a great coach and he'll do wonders there. But he's had to he's he's inherited a team and he's inherited players that he probably wouldn't sign. So look, I, I do hope that they give him time. He deserves a bit of time. Like I say, a win tonight, you know, if they win if they win 2-0 tonight, they will go up to 7th and they'll be level on points with Liverpool in 6th. Uh, they will have played a game more than Liverpool. But again, Liverpool are not doing fantastic this season. Um, and they had a couple of, they've had a couple of bad results as well. I mean, they played Leicester and <laughs> two comical own goals by Wout Fass. But other than that, they did nothing in that game. I thought Liverpool were very poor and Leicester deserved something out of that game. Then they went and got battered by by Brentford. 
So Liverpool aren't doing great shakes. So if Chelsea can can pick it up and, and get a couple of runs, and get a couple of wins and get a bit of a run going, then you know I think this pressure might alleviate on on uh, on Graham Potter. And in a way, I kind of hope it does. Uh, I mean, I look at you know Chelsea play Fulham tonight, and then they've got Crystal Palace at home, and then after that. They have, uh, they've got Fulham again. I'm guessing that's a probably a rearranged game. Um, and you know, Liverpool, Liverpool have got Brighton. Brighton can turn over any team at the moment. Um, and then Liverpool play Chelsea actually before that. So, um, look, it'll be an interesting, be an interesting weekend that one. See what happens. So yeah, I hope I hope Potter gets a, a bit of time, and you know, it just feels like a bit of a scattergun approach with the transfers at Chelsea. It's a it's a strange one. Um, as I mentioned there, you know, Chelsea went out of the FA Cup, uh, and a number of Premier League teams went out. You know, Newcastle went out to to Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, Leicester did make it through against Gillingham, but I think it was eight Premier League teams all in all went. Out of the uh, of the of the FA Cup, God, I can't get my words out today. Uh, controversial one in the Liverpool Wolves game. Um, a perfectly good Wolves goal that scored in the last minute that would have made it three two. Uh, perfectly good Wolves goal ruled out because VAR did not cover the whole of the VAR cameras did not cover the whole of the pitch. Insane. So that game now goes to a replay, which is funny because Klopp was moaning about replays. So yeah, quite funny that one. Um, I still I still enjoy the FA Cup, um, and I know that in the early rounds, you know, big changes are made. And you know, I look at I look at Le- Leicester played Gillingham, who are bottom of League Two, and. The Leicester's back three are three players that have barely played this season. So it was wholesale changes. Uh, it was a it was a dire game. It was awful. And I swear the BBC put Leicester on because they're hoping for that upset. You know, in recent years we've been put on when we played Newport, who did beat us. You know, we've played Peterborough on TV and come through that game. And same with this one, we played Fleetwood as well about five years ago. And there was the hope that there'd be a, um, you know, an upset there. Nearly was. It was nil nil. It went back to, uh, back to the King Power. But yeah, Leicester got through that one. Uh, Wrexham beating Cov, fantastic. You know, we all know the story behind Wrexham and their, their ambitions and their owners. Uh, four and a half thousand Wrexham fans going to the uh, going to Coventry and. They went 4-1 up and Cov brought it back to 4-3. Uh, but ultimately, Wrexham, Wrexham did win. So, you know, fair play. The uh, the magic of the cup uh, and all of that sort of stuff. So, um, I can't remember really what's going on in the next in the next round, whether there was any sort of juicy juicy ties or whatnot. Um, oh, yes, obviously, Man City, Man City Arsenal. <laughs> so, there we go. Uh, Leicester are away at Walsall. Another League Two opposition. Although, if we play like we did the other night, we'd get beaten by a Sunday League team. 
Um, let's talk about Leicester then. Let's get into that. So in the Premier League, we lost to Newcastle Boxing Day, which I covered in the last episode. We then lost to Liverpool. As I've already mentioned, you know, two ridiculous own goals from Wout Fass, who has come back from the World Cup lacking confidence. It's it's like Soyuncu all over again, who came back from the Euros with no confidence and has, and has barely featured for Leicester since. So we lost that game. But, you know, Liverpool, it's a bit of a throwaway game. You don't mind losing to Liverpool. And I guess, realistically, losing to Newcastle, as it currently stands, is no great shakes either. It's not nothing to get too upset about. Sometimes it's just the manner of the defeat. Uh, the Fulham game, you know, Leicester lost 1-0. I didn't fancy us to beat Fulham. I thought we were... Very poor. The atmosphere was was flat, almost like we were expecting to lose. And although, you know, Leicester had chances in the second half, they did have the majority of the ball. There is just now a, a, a lack of cutting edge up top. And for the last couple of seasons, I've, I've, I've maintained that Leicester have been okay because we generally do always score or did and my biggest fear was that when the goals started drying up that's when Leicester would be in big trouble and the goals have started to dry up um, Jamie Vardy does not look like the player that we know and love or in most cases people hate him but uh, I obviously love him and as does every Leicester fan but he very much like looks like he's 35 years uh, that he is. And Inacho cannot play up front on his own. Brendan Rodgers is too stubborn to change the formation to a two up front. And Pat Sandaka just... I don't think he's good enough. And the reality is, is Leicester are never really going to be able to directly replace Vardy. You know, you look at what Vardy's done and what Vardy has achieved. You know, the most Premier League goals after the age of 30. Golden boot winner. Um, a ridiculous record against um, the the big six. You know, something like 45 in, in 90 or something like that against the traditional big six. Um, is, is only really, from, from an Englishman's point of view, only Kane has been outscoring him up until recently. Obviously, Ivan Tony has come to the fore on that one. Before Vardy, Leicester didn't have 20 goal a season strikers in the Premier League. You know, and I, I, I think Nugent did it in the Championship. But before Vardy, we, we didn't have 20 goal a season strikers. We didn't have 15 goal a season strikers. You know, I, I go way back even to when Heskey was playing for Leicester in the Premier League. I think his best was 11 in the league one season. So it'd be wrong for for us to expect Pats and Dakar to, to come in and be the next Jamie Vardy and start scoring 15, 20 goals a season. But I think what people forget now is that 
Daka has had a full season with us. And a lot of people were willing to let him off last season because we saw the same with Vardy. Vardy's first season with Leicester, he was very poor. Got five five or six goals. The second season is when he when he was absolutely on fire. Leicester got promoted. Vardy's first Premier League season, really struggled for goals. Second Premier League season, I think it was 19 goals or 21 goals and a Premier League title. So people were expecting a bit more from Pats and Dakin now that it's his second season and it's not happening. But the reality is the rest of the squad are lacking so much confidence at the moment. And they also look unfit. So Leicester played Newcastle the other night in the Carabao Cup quarter-final. And honestly, it could have been 7 or 8. I think Leicester did well to get away with a 2-0 defeat. And barring a 20-minute spell where we looked okay, Vardy missed a sitter, we were a shambles. We were absolutely awful. There was no athleticism. There was no hunger. There was no desire. You know, we didn't have anyone putting in big tackles. We didn't have anyone, any creativity. I mean, James Madison is still out. Um, You know, we, we have got a lot of injuries. And I don't want to be that, oh, here we go, Leicester fans again are blaming injuries. But the reality is, if you were to take... Let's just let's just use Newcastle as an example because although Newcastle are doing great, and I said this on the last podcast, actually player for player, team for team, you know, I don't think there is much in it. You can't tell me that you would have long staff over Yuri Tillemans, for example. Um, obviously Newcastle do have some good players in 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 other areas you know I'm not just just trying to pick on on the midfield there but just as one example you know I don't think there is too much between the two teams when both have got their strongest but if you look at our injury list six of those nine players that are currently out injured would be in what you would class Leicester's best 11 now if you were to take Botman Trippier, because we've we've not got Johnny Evans, we've not got Ricardo Pereira, we've not got James Justin. So let's take let's take Botman, Trippier, Fabian Shah, uh, and Almiron, and let's go Joel Linton as well. Take them take them out of that Newcastle team. They're not turning over teams like they are at the moment. Now, I'm not saying that with those players, Leicester would be currently sitting third in the Premier League, you know, if, if all those players were fit. Because when those players were playing, we were still struggling a little bit. You know, uh, uh, Newcastle have a better goalkeeper, um, for example. But I think it's... The, the reality is, is that with the lack of players and the lack of investment and... The injuries that we've got. Rogers was right when he said, I believe I'm a good coach, but I can't wave a magic wand. And he also brought up the subject of spend as well. So he quite rightly pointed out that our mid-table rivals in Wolves, Aston Villa, Newcastle, West Ham have spent 
so much more money than us. And Rogers said last year, after we lost to Nottingham Forest in the Cup, that a rebuild was needed. And I've said it a number of times on this podcast that there are players in that squad that unfortunately are not the players they were two, three years ago because of injuries and because they're now sort of on the decline. But we've not been able to replace them. We've not been able to move them on. Um, so I do have a degree of sympathy with Rogers in that sense, in terms of the off the field, because you know we're looking at yeah we we got seventy million for Fofana, okay, but from what I can tell and from what I've read, that money isn't sitting in Leicester's bank account right now. Whether I think it's because it's over instalments or whatever. So, it's not like we can just go, oh, we've sold a £70 million player, so let's go spend £70 million on players. We, it's not how it works. We had to give his old club some money as well. So, we don't know what's really going on behind the scenes. I keep reading that we're being linked with players, and it's players that are in the right areas. We've been linked with a left-back from AZ Alkmaar. I've uh, been linked with a left-back whose name I forget, a young left-back from Copenhagen. Uh, and we've been linked with Gonzalez from Fiorentina, who, despite having a bit of a ropey injury record, looks to be the sort of player that we desperately need at the moment. Can play anywhere across the, the front three, uh, in terms of a striker, a number 10, right wing, left wing. He's very left-footed, but he's also very good in the air. And and this is the thing, and, and I think he's got a bit, he's Argentinian, and by all accounts, he has got a bit of a competitive streak, shall we say. And we are desperate for that kind of player. There was a point in the second half against Newcastle where Newcastle broke and they were a couple of passes away from being through on goal with no one marking them. And and Diddy did the old tactical, you know, foul, taking one for the team. And I was sat in the pub watching it and people actually clapped because it was the best thing you could do. And Leicester haven't got that nasty streak. Now, I don't want us to start going around and kicking players and breaking legs and stuff like that. But just something to get the crowd up, something to niggle the opponents, something to niggle the opposition fans. We haven't got that. And we desperately need it in one way, shape or form. We don't seem to have that. I know football's moved on from, from this, but we don't seem to have that hard man, that player that's actually going to put a tackle in to shake up the opposition and really get in their faces. I mean, Vardy has been known as a bit of a shithouse and a rattler and a rustler and all of that sort of stuff. But he's a centre forward. You know, we need someone in the middle. We need someone that's going to be, you know out wide that's going to go and close down fullbacks and, you know, put one on them and put them under pressure. I don't know whether this Gonzalez deal is going to happen. Uh, it's conflicting reports. So on, on the one hand, it's saying that he's available for 25 million and Fiorentina have said, yes, he can go. The other reports say that Leicester haven't got 25 million to spend. <sighs> I, d I don't know. It's the 12th of January. There's time yet for players to come in. But I think for me, 
there is a desperate, desperate need for players to come in as soon as possible. Now, I am clinging on, clinging on, should I say, to the hope that the players that are due to come back in February are going to make a bit of a difference. But the players that are currently fit and able to play also need to find a bit of confidence. Where I will be critical of Rogers is on the pitch. He says that he's a good coach. He needs to start trusting some of these players a bit more. He sees them day in, day out. So it's easy for me to sit here and say, oh, why isn't he playing Ian Acho? Why isn't he playing this player? Why doesn't he drop that player? We don't see it day to day. We don't know what's going on behind the scenes. But the other night at halftime, yes, it was nil-nil. But honestly, it could have been five or six. And if it have changed the shape at that point and brought Mendy on and maybe brought Ian Nacho on to go up front with, with Dakar, change the formation, who knows? Now, I still probably believe that Newcastle would have won, but when we did change shape and did change formation, that's when we created two of our best chances. And we had a good chance in the first half as well where Dakar past it instead of shooting I still believe that we have got a, a, a core of some good players they're not as good as they were and with a number of them being out of contract as well you have to wonder whether they are actually putting their all in now the one player that's impressed me since the uh, resumption of the league is Aosi Perez but he's playing for a move you can tell He's been linked with move to Batiste and to Roma. He's out of contract in the summer. But he seems to be the only one that's put in any sort of effort in. But unfortunately, he lacks in other areas. Um, and, and also, uh, again, you know, we're not paying football manager here. You know, it's not as easy as clicking a button and putting a bid in for a player. But I look around the league... And, you know, we need we need a full-back, whether it be a right-back or left-back. We're linked with a couple of left-backs, but I think you could get a right-back in and put Castagna over onto the left, which is where I personally think is his best position. Jed Spence is sat there at Tottenham doing absolutely nothing. And he was fantastic last season for, for Nottingham Forest. Um... You know, can, can we get Martin Dubravka in on loan? Because although Danny Ward had a good game the other night, he was, I mean, he had to, otherwise it would have been double figures. For me, he's still not a number one goalkeeper. Now, Dubravka didn't have a great time on loan at Manchester United in his first part of the season. But, you know, it's, you know, there's a different pressure playing for, for Leicester than there is playing for United. So... I just feel like there's there's players out there that we could get, but it's just not happening. And the concerning thing for me is that we're not really hearing a lot from the higher-ups at the club. And Rogers is the one that's coming out and having to say, I've got to work with what I've got to work with. You know, I saw an article the other day that showed that in the last four years, King Power as a business have lost in the region of £3 billion or dollars, one of the two. And I think the time has come that actually, I'm, I'm not saying that um, 
the likes of Top and, and whatnot should be sell, looking to sell the club. But actually, a little bit of outside investment might do us some good. Now, they've obviously looked at the situation and decided that a stadium expansion and upgrading the the training ground is what they want to do rather than spend it on the pitch because the, the I guess a couple of years ago you would have when you saw Leicester finishing fifth fifth and eighth and winning an FA Cup you would have assumed that well Leicester will be fine for another good couple of years and they'll expand this stadium and then that money will start rolling in and happy days you know you rebuild your squad and you do all of this but the reality is there is a real danger right now of Leicester getting relegated and I I'm having a number of debates and arguments with people at work and various other pl- other places I keep being told there are three worst teams in this league if there are three worse teams than Leicester right now in the Premier League then the bottom part of this Premier League is finished you might as well just make it an eight team league or something because if there are three worse teams than Leicester, and I know we've got injuries, I've said it a number of times, this league is not as good as people think. Because we are shit. We are shocking. And something big has got to change. Now, I still don't believe that there is a better manager out there than Brendan Rodgers that Leicester could get. However, Would a change in management change the fortunes of Leicester, even if it meant getting in someone that would take it back to basics, make them more organised at the back, get some confidence back into those forward players, the likes of Harvey Barnes, who has looked really poor since we come back from the World Cup. A bit more confidence in Vardy. Give some confidence into Dakar. Would that make a difference? Now... I don't see the owners sacking Rodgers unless Leicester are in a real, real danger of going down when we get to around March time. In which case, it might be a case of, right, sorry, but you've got to go. For the sake of the football club and for their Premier League survival, you've got to go. The other option is, because it has gone quiet, and I know that you read certain things that say, well... The money for the stadium expansion is different. It's a different pot of money to the one that you spend for new players. Right now, I mean, if it's I don't know how much it is to expand the stadium. Even if it's just fifty million quid, give that fifty million to whoever to bring a couple of players in. At this stage, I don't even care if they're that good. We just need bodies and we need players that are fit and healthy and do not have horrendous injury records or have snapped their ACL three times. It's, it's really worrying for me. Uh, and, you know, we had we had an upturn in fortunes just before the World Cup and things were looking great. And I remember being out with uh, Sonny and, and, and Mark, who's been on the podcast, uh, when we, and, a, and a couple of others, when... England played the USA and we were talking about the Premier League and um, somebody in the group I can't remember who said well Leicester will be alright now and I said we're two, we're two defeats away from being back in the bottom three now quite rightly someone come back and said well you could say that for a number of teams down there 
And as it stands, there are seven worse teams than Leicester. But if you look how tight the table is, and with the games that are coming up this weekend, and the games that Leicester have got coming up, <laughs> man, it is it is worrying times. And, you know, I hate to be, you know, genuinely, I hate to be that negative person. I want to be the person that sits here and says, We'll be fine. We'll sign a couple of players. We'll get some players back, and we'll hit a good, good run of form. We'll win, we'll win four or five more games, and that will, and that will see us just about, just about safe. Um, I just can't see it right now, and it is a worry if you're a Leicester fan, of course. So there, thought I'd have a nice little rant about Leicester, and I have. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. Well, no, I do. I do. I've just said it. We need investment, whether that comes from, you know, giving up on this idea of expanding the stadium or getting some outside investment. You know, even if it was just an investor that come in and said, I'll give you 200 million and go and buy some players. That'd be wonderful. Because I have no doubt if we had 300 million like Newcastle, We'd be doing better than we are now. I'm not saying we'd be in the top three. Um, and some of those other clubs that have spent a lot of money, Villa, West Ham, Wolves, they're currently, well, Villa aren't. Villa are five points above us, but Wolves and West Ham are below us. Everton. God, how much money have Everton spent? Anyway. That's my rant over. So... We're still in the FA Cup, though. <laughs> ah, dearie me. Right then, let's uh, let's have a look then at let's have a look at the fixtures then for for this weekend coming up. So, right now, uh, Fulham are playing Chelsea, and it is nil nil. As I say, João Felix from Atletico Madrid is making his debut. Oh, a bit of, bit of transfer stuff as well while I'm just on that before I do this. Um, Wout Weghorst, or Wout Weghorst, however you want to pronounce it, looks like he's set to sign for Manchester United on loan. A lot of people have, have turned their nose up at this and scoffed at it. I actually think it's not a bad signing, to be honest. They... Um, I can understand why Ten Hag's doing it. He's Veghorst uh, was on loan at Besiktas from Burnley. Obviously, didn't do great at Burnley, as we know. But he was he joined a team that were were going down. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but I think what Ten Hag sees in Veghorst is someone that presses. Uh, he's got the best pressing stats uh, in in Europe so far this season. So that's probably why he wants to bring him in. Um, and look, there's, the way that United are playing at the minute, there are there are other players in that team that will get goals if Veghorst doesn't. Uh, Rashford is on fire at the moment, absolutely on fire. So um, yeah, I've got to do a bit of a. Bit of transfery stuff there. So let's have a look at the fixtures for the weekend. Fulham are playing Chelsea right now, it's nil-nil. Tomorrow night, Friday the 13th, unlucky for some. 
Aston Villa versus Leeds, big game, big, big game for both those teams. You know, Villa could pull away a little bit with a win. Leeds are down there, there, there or thereabouts. I think this will be a draw. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, Leeds have signed a striker today, uh, Rutter. I think his name is thirty million pound. You see, that's the thing. You know, got these clubs throwing thirty million pound around, and you know, Leicester can't even find fifty p for whoever. Right. Saturday lunchtime, we have the Manchester derby. Man United, Man City. Uh, not a great week for Man City. They went out spectacularly out of the Carabao Cup last night to Southampton, who are having a, a torrid time. But Southampton were, were superb. Really, really good. And Man City, you know, and they've dropped a couple of points. You know, they dropped points to Everton, like I mentioned. Uh, and they're out of the Carabao Cup. Uh, so... I actually think Man United are going to win this one. Uh, I'm going to go for 2-1. Brighton-Liverpool. Now, Liverpool have got this knack at the minute of conceding the first goal. Brighton, you know, they're a they're a team that, that one week could sweep teams aside, then another week they get battered themselves. Uh, I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw on this one. Uh, this is a huge game at the bottom of the Premier League, Everton versus Southampton. Oof. Southampton are bottom on 12 points. Everton are 18th on 15. Now, Southampton need need the win here because an Everton win, and then if Wolves win their game against West Ham, which is, again, massive. Uh, Southampton then start to become a bit adrift of the rest of the league. Can Southampton build on the result from last night? You know, I guess if you're a Southampton fan, you'd hope so. But it's a a massive game down at the bottom. There's some big games this weekend down at the bottom of the table. Um, You know, like I mentioned, Villa leads. You know, Leeds are 14th on 17th and Villa are 11th on 22. So, you know, but a Leeds win drops Leicester down, you know, a bit further. And and yeah, it's huge. Uh, In terms of Everton, Southampton, I'm going to go for a draw. Nil-nil on that one. Uh, Right. The East Midlands derby. Big game. Don't care what Forest fans say. This is a rivalry. Derby are in League One, so you can't keep sucking them off. This is a rivalry. This is a big game. This is a massive game for both teams. Forest versus Leicester at the City Ground. I will be there. I'm kind of looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to spending some quality time with some quality people, having a good laugh. I'm not so much looking forward to the football itself. Um... I've not spoken to a single Leicester fan that thinks we will get anything from this game. I've, I've, one or two have said we might get a draw. Both teams are on 17 points. Leicester are 13th on 17th. Forest are 15th on 17th. And in between them two, you've got Leeds also on 17 points. So, you know, a, a win for Leicester would be would be pretty big. 
Um, and depending on how other results go, it, it could open up a little bit of a gap. Uh, but teams around us have got games in hand and we've got a, a, quite a tricky run coming up after this after this game. And this isn't an easy game at all. I'm going to go as positive as I feel I can be and realistic as I feel I can be and actually go for a draw. Yeah, that's all I can say on that one. Uh, Wolves versus West Ham. We've already talked about again. This is a this is a big game. Wolves are nineteenth on fourteen points, and West Ham seventeenth on fifteen points. Um, I mean, I, you, you know, a West Ham defeat here, and if if Everton were to were, were to beat Southampton, you know, it drops West Ham right into that bottom three, and the pressure would really be on David Moyes. I'm actually going to go for a Wolves win in this one. Uh, so, you know. We shall, uh, we'll see on that one. But I'm going to go for a Wolves win. Brentford versus Bournemouth. Um, I always fancy Brentford to win at home. I mean, they turn Liverpool over. They turn Man United over, you know, second game of the season. So Brentford at home, in front of the Sky cameras, they always seem to turn it on for the Sky cameras as well. At 5.30, you know, we'll have... Micka Richards and Jamie Carragher jumping around to Hey Jude and all that sort of nonsense. So Brentford win, uh, which will put Bournemouth back sort of down at the near to the bottom of the table as well. Chelsea Palace. I, I'm going to go for a Chelsea win. I know they're out struggling a little bit, but I am going to go for that. Uh, Newcastle Fulham, you know, two teams that are massively informed, but Newcastle just don't look like they can lose at the minute. Um, Newcastle win absolutely and then we have the North London derby Tottenham versus Arsenal so Arsenal are still top of the league and because of Man City dropping points there is a five point gap at the top um, yeah this is massive I mean Spurs are on 33 they could do they, they could do with the win to try and get back into that top top four uh, but obviously if United win you know, they will close the gap massively on Man City. <clears throat> I always tend to favour the home team in a North London derby, but I just feel like with Arsenal this season, there is a balance in that team from goalkeeper right through to the forwards. I mean, I mean, Enketi has come in for, for Jesus and hit the ground running, score, scoring goals. <coughs> and Odegaard is, it's just playing superb stuff at the moment. He's, he's, he's playing fantastic. I'm going to I'm going to go for a, a narrow Arsenal win and I know Westy will be listening to this and he'll go oh thanks for that Watkins but uh, yeah there we go and we have games next Wednesday and Thursday as well so I'll, I'll put my predictions in for them now because I'll probably be recording next Thursday yeah I'll, be, I'll record next Thursday probably while Man City Tottenham is being played but on the Wednesday we've got Crystal Palace at home to Manchester United. This can sometimes be a tricky game for United, but again, a bit like Arsenal, I think they're a different team this year. Uh, United are on a great run, and, and I think even if they were to lose against City at the weekend, I think they would bounce back quite quickly, uh, and I think they could beat Crystal Palace. 
And then Man City, Tottenham. I am going to go for a Man City win on that one. So there's my predictions. Uh, we've got three, three, uh, three local derbies. Despite what Forest fans think, it's a local derby. And yeah, I'll see what uh, I'll see what's happening next week. Um, it'd be good to actually to get a couple of people on. Um, I've had a thought about that, and in terms of getting a couple of people on next week to discuss how their teams are doing. So I'll see who is available. If not, you've got me and my dulcet tones. I'm going to finish this week's podcast with a question. And I don't want people to Google the answer. Don't Google the answer. Okay? And if you think you've got the answer, then tweet me. And my Twitter handle is... I should know this by now, shouldn't I? At Added Football. So, my question is... Who was the last manager to win La Liga that wasn't managing Real Madrid, Barcelona or Atletico Madrid? Okay. I'll give you a clue. He has managed in the Premier League also. If you know the answer, message me on Twitter or tweet me at Added Football with your answer. Now, I've stole that question from a radio show. Uh, Just to let you know, I got the answer straight away. Because, of course, I did. And, of course, I was right. I wish I was always right. Sometimes I wish I was wrong. Like when I say that Leicester are going to lose, and they do. There we go. Right, that is me done for this week. And that is the end of episode 25. Thank you very much for listening. Uh, Your support is greatly appreciated. Uh, Stay safe, stay well, and if you're going to a game this weekend, have fun, enjoy yourself, unless you support Nottingham Forest, and in which case, I hope you lose badly. Thank you very much for listening. See you next time. Goodbye.